0: everyone. Welcome back to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Welcome. Before we dive into today's episode, wanted to remind you all to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do your listening. Of course, if you want to hang out with us on social media, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds, and you can send an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With all of that businessy stuff out of the way, let's dive into today's episode. Today, I am joined by my good friend Holly, formerly a kid. Nope. (laughs) That was my old
1: job title. Actually, you nailed it.
0: (laughs) You were formerly one of our digital content librarians, and you are now an AM for our bluegrass region. So you've got a lot of our fun friends, Tennessee, Kentucky, places like that.
1: Mm -hmm, Sure do.
0: Welcome back Holly I know you were with me last year and today we are again sharing some pride read recommendations happy pride month
1: happy pride I'm so excited for this weekend I can't wait to get downtown tomorrow
0: oh my gosh I know pride uh for here in Cleveland is happening Saturday the third of course you're hearing this after so um hopefully we've had (laughs) hopefully we've had a, a speedy recovery from all of the sun and fun
1: Uh, I was going to say, I uh, have my sunscreen ready, ready to go.
0: Got several hats.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) A fanny pack with all the necessary, um, you know, things I might need.
0: (laughs) Everything we could possibly dream of. Sunscreen, Tylenol and Mm -hmm. uh, endless supplies of water.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like some band-aids in case the shoes get a little rough.
0: (laughs) Today, Holly and I are going to share some queer titles with all of you, uh, stuff that we've been loving, stuff that in Holly's case, you've got some at the end that you're looking forward to, uh, upcoming release. So let's just dive in. Holly, what's your first pick?
1: Ooh, my first pick is called The 2000s Made Me Gay Essays on Pop Culture by Grace Perry. And some listeners might recognize um, Grace Perry's name. She's written for The Onion and Reductress. And here she brings us a whole book of observations on pop culture. Um, In the book, she writes about how so much of pop culture is escapist. And when you think about that in terms of the content we were being presented in the early aughts, there really wasn't a lot of space for queer stories that weren't completely over the top or cishet and white. The essays are not about bashing the heteronormativity that shaped those of us growing up at the time. But thinking about in this present time, how our lives were shaped by that. Um, Obviously, I watched and loved Gossip Girl, the movie Mean Girls, because I loved the characters and the drama. But watching these now is, I won't say cringe-worthy, but um, the most egregious insult in Mean Girls, almost the impetus for the entire storyline, is that Regina George calls Janice Ian a dyke.
0: Right. That's the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is why she gets Katie Heron to try and sabotage Regina George's life. In the end, it turns out Janice Ian winds up with a ma- a man partner at the end of the movie anyway. So, you know, I won't, I won't dig into that too much, but what the a time. whole idea
0: <laughs> of like, what a time that that was the worst thing you could call someone and we all just lived like that was okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And then she's like, haha, I'm not even gay. Take that. <laughs>
0: right i'm not sure how to feel
1: about it (laughs) yeah
0: no when you say it like that
1: Mm -hmm. it raises
0: some questions Mm
1: -hmm. it does um the author brings up also internalized homophobia and she says quote it crops up at inconvenient times making our insides feel icy and our heads briefly dissociated from our bodies and doesn't it just
0: Mm. it sure does
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that's just one of the things um You know, as I was reading this, where I just felt a whole lot of, yep, Um, lots of relatable moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she, you know, brings all these points across in a fun way. Um, And also like a memoir centric way. She talks a lot about her own experiences. Um, So I think a lot of us in the community can relate, but also have a laugh at our own expense.
0: (laughs) I love that. That sounds like so much fun. Mm -hmm. So my first book, I'll, I'll go with a nonfiction title as well. This is How You Get Famous, 10 Years of Drag Madness in Brooklyn by Nicole Pasulko. Uh, so this is described as a madcap adventure through a tight-knit world of drag performers making art and mayhem in the greatest city on earth. 10 years ago, an aimless coat check girl, better known today as Mary Cherry, sweet-talked her boss into giving her $100 to host a drag show at a Brooklyn dive bar. Soon, kids like Aja were kicking their way into the scene, sneaking into clubs, pocketing their tips to help mom pay the mortgage, and sharing the stage with electric performers like Thorgy Thor and Sasha Valor. Because suddenly, in the biggest, brightest city in America, drag was offering young, broke, creative queer people a chance at real money, and for thousands or even millions of people to learn their names. In How You Get Famous, journalist Nicole Poluska joyfully documents the rebirth of the New York drag scene following a group of iconoclastic performers with undeniable charisma, talent, and a hell of a lot to prove. The result is a sweeping portrait of the 21st century search for celebrity and community, as well as a chronicle of all the struggles, fights, and disappointments along the way. Um, If you are like me and love documentaries like Paris is Burning or The Queen, as a really interesting look behind the scenes of drag in the past, like the queen is from the 60s, it's wild to watch, Um, Paris is Burning is from the 80s and 90s, and it's the AIDS epidemic, and, and all of these other kind of key pieces. This kind of takes a look at more nowadays, More kind of what is our recent history. So if you are in our age range, this is probably the time that you are going to be very curious about. Because now you can learn what was going on when you were a kid. You can see how some of your favorite drag performers uh, were spending their growing up times as well. Uh, So that's How You Get Famous by Nicole Pasulka.
1: (laughs) And we are very young still. We are so young. full of your children
0: (laughs) youthful
1: for anyone listening (laughs) no one
0: on this call is in their 30s (laughs) no no one in this episode is 30 or above no
1: (laughs) um three years ago (laughs) this is also an episode about time travel um (laughs) the second book I want to talk about is a rom-com um it is called astrid parker doesn't fail by ashley herring blake it is the second in a series the first book is called delilah green doesn't care and i swear someone has talked about that on some episode of the podcast because a bunch of us at overdrive read it and we loved it um so, in Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail, um, Astrid's Delilah Green's sister, who was engaged to be married to a man in book one, um, Astrid's fiancé was trash for so many reasons, and we're glad she kicked him to the curb so that she could have her bisexual awakening in book two of the Bright Falls series. So, Astrid's been enlisted to create a TV show out of renovating a historic house in her hometown, which is how she meets Jordan Everwood, the granddaughter of the owner of the home, um, and also a carpenter. So Astrid and Jordan clash over their design ideas. They are supposed to be working together on this project um, and their tension makes for great television at the beginning, but once they realize the ways in which they need each other to make their renovation successful, they have to start faking their disdain for each other on camera, if you know what I mean. So Ashley Herring Blake creates these really real characters, um, and that's kind of one of the most important things for me in a novel, um, especially a rom-com. I didn't really start reading them until last year at the recommendation of a lot of friends and coworkers. Um, Ashley Herring Blake writes some steamy sex scenes, so if that's something that's important to you, I would recommend these books.
0: The covers are fantastic i love the illustrated design on them and the people are so beautiful
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah they're great even on the first book delilah green doesn't care um delilah has tattoos snaking up Mm -hmm. and down both arms and i just love seeing that illustrated on the cover
0: (laughs) so cool so my next pick i will i'll do something a little romance adjacent i ended Mm. up with a vague amount of like I, I'm, I'm in a very specific reading mood right now. So I tried to break out and pull some of my other wrecks from, from different times of my reading desires. Um, so, you know, yeah, we're gonna have some YA soon and we're gonna have some thrillers soon, but I wanted to give us a little bit of that kind of like deep, thoughtful, what is love? What is being queer? So this is End Papers by Jennifer Savran Kelly. This uh, actually just came out February this year. It's 2003 and artist Dawn Levitt is stuck. A bookbinder who works at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, she spends all day repairing old books but hasn't created anything of her own in years. What's more, although she doesn't have a word for it yet, Dawn is genderqueer and with a partner who wishes she were a man and a society that wants her to be a woman, she's struggling to feel safe expressing herself. Dawn spends her free time scouting the city's street art, hoping to find the inspiration that will break her artistic block. And time is of the essence because she's making her major gallery debut in six weeks and doesn't have anything to show yet. One day at work, Dawn discovers something hidden under the endpapers of an old book. The torn-off cover of a lesbian pulp novel from the 1950s with an illustration of a woman looking into a mirror and seeing a man's face. Even more intriguing is the queer love letter written on the back. Dawn becomes obsessed with tracking down the author of the letter, convinced the mysterious writer can help her find her own place in the world. Her fixation only increases when her best friend Jay is injured in a hate crime for which Dawn feels responsible. Ultimately for Dawn, the trickiest puzzle to solve is how she truly wants to live her life. So that is End Papers by Jennifer Savran Kelly.
1: Mm, You said it's, it's set in like present day
0: no set in 2003 so this is
1: yeah so we're back (laughs) 2023 no
0: just just 2003 so we're back in the early aughts um we're missing so much of like the language and uh, you know kind of things that we've learned and picked up on in the last
1: 20 years
0: (laughs) wow (laughs) when you say it like that it really Mm. hurts Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so it's an interesting look at trying to discover yourself when you don't have the own your when you don't have the right words for it but also when those words don't even seem to exist yet while still being relatable for you know kind of a wide variety of audiences because we're not jumping too far back like you don't have to suspend too much disbelief you don't have to miss out on too much progress that we've made we're not going all the way back to the 70s we're going to 2003
1: right i was 13 in 2003 And that was, you know, definitely a growing time. Some people refer to it as puberty or coming of age. Uh (laughs) So, you know, lots of, lots of questions like that. Um, I think, yeah, that would be, that'd be a good, is it kind of a coming of age story? It's,
0: it's that like second coming of age. Okay. I I think I would describe it that way. You know, because she is an adult, she works at the MoMA, like she's had this whole life and career and. Right. Uh, yeah so I would say it's coming of age adjacent I it's definitely a story of self-discovery um and yeah now I'm just thinking about how I was 11 in 2003
1: we can we call it a queering <laughs> of age because I think we've all had many of those <laughs>
0: Ooh, love that that is definitely the new way to call it it's a queering mm-hmm. of age because I'm right, gonna
1: copyright that
0: trademark it copyright it whatever you got to do yeah <laughs>
1: My next book is called Yerba Buena by Nina LaCour. Um, The cover is gorgeous. This was in a lot of publisher title presentations that I've been watching. Um, I think Nina LaCour has, um, has written a lot of young adult books as well, and that might be why some listeners are familiar with her. But I loved this one because Um, The author used alternating chapters to weave the stories of Sarah and Emily together. So you get to see them in their own lives um, before they sort of, you know, meet and have their intertwined storyline. So Sarah runs away from a bad home situation at a young age. And in the book's present day timeline, she is a bartender with a lot of baggage. Uh, Emily can't seem to make a decision and graduate college. I believe she's on her fifth year when we meet her. (laughs) So she cuts those ties completely and makes her way to a florist shop where she takes a job creating arrangements for the same restaurant Sarah works in. It's called Yerba Buena. Emily winds up in a relationship with the married man who owns the restaurant, which is just a little messy, Mm. especially after the chemistry that ignites between her and Sarah once they meet this was a really beautiful story of how you might wind up loving someone when life is really tough. Uh, and when is it not? So I think it's clearly relatable to everyone. Um, looking for a good read. It was, it was beautifully written. Um, just a great novel.
0: I I love that sentence. Oh, finding love when life is really tough. Like just, we're <laughs> always going through something Hey, I think it's like both a good reminder of just how the world works sometimes, but also a reminder to keep hope going because you don't know what's coming tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Timing, timing is a fickle thing and (laughs) you know, it's, uh, you really can't control it.
0: (laughs) You, you can't, you can think you're doing everything right or wrong or setting every boundary you need to set. (laughs) And something's going to come (laughs) along. Don't even talk
1: to me about boundaries.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a boundary right there. You're great at them. (laughs) Someone's going to kick down the door and say, Mm -hmm. I am here because it's time, uh, you know, or this is the thing you're supposed to be doing right now. So I love that. Mm
1: -hmm. And, And then you just take it from there.
0: I love all of Nina's covers. I just pulled up her page and they're all so beautiful. I really appreciate the, some of her stylings are really consistent. And then the ones that are different, are different in such like a beautiful shift i i'm a sucker for a good cover
1: i know i know the colors the like weird abstract vase mm-hmm. art i was like okay
0: <laughs> I, I, a lot of like flat instead of trying to focus too much on making the art dimensional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: give me a good design any day <laughs> My next pick, let's move into a little YA horror title for your nerves, because of course, this is one of my favorite summertime vibes. I love a spooky, Mm -hmm. I love a thriller, I love a horror. This is The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, this one was (laughs) fantastic. And of course, yes, happy Pride, everyone. It's also audiobook month. And I listened to this one and I devoured it. It is. Fantastic. Uh, Kevin Arfree is the narrator. I, of course, am familiar uh, first of him from Welcome to Night Vale, uh, but he's a a fantastic audiobook narrator as well, and he's narrated several of the books, uh, the audiobooks that I'm recommending as well. This book follows 16-year-old Jake Livingston who sees dead people everywhere. He can't decide what's worse, being a medium forced to watch the dead play out their last moments on loop, or being at the mercy of racist teachers as one of the few Black students at St. Clair Prep. Both are a living nightmare of which uh, he wishes he could wake up from, but things at St. Clair Prep start looking up with the arrival of another Black student, the handsome Alistair, and for the first time, romance is on the horizon for Jake. Unfortunately, life as a medium is getting worse. Though most ghosts are harmless and Jake is always happy to help them move on to the next place, Sawyer Dune wants much, much more from Jake. In life, Sawyer was a troubled teen who shot and killed six kids at a local high school before taking his own life. Now he's a powerful, vengeful ghost, and he has plans for Jake. Suddenly, everything Jake knows about the dead world goes out the window as Sawyer begins to haunt him. High school soon becomes a different kind of survival game. One, Jake is not sure he can win. Yikes. Yeah, this book, I would give like a handful of warnings out, of course, Um, as you saw from the description, there is a school Mm -hmm. shooting, there is racism, there's a lot of violence, uh, there is some, uh, sexual assault trauma. So keep that in mind, uh, before you pick up this title, but it was a beautiful book, really thought provoking, um, and just a really powerful narrative. I appreciated this take on being a medium because one of the things that stands out to me is when Jake is describing, um, Being at school, the floors that he is okay with being on. So his high school is four stories. And the second story was his favorite because the first floor, someone drove their car through the building. So it was always terrifying to see headlights suddenly coming at him. And then, you know, if you go up floor three or four floor four, they're tall enough for people to be jumping. So God. It was just a way that. I feel like in all of the medium-adjacent things I've watched or read, I've never really come across people describing that situation. So I found it really enjoyable. Audiobook is excellent. Uh, so give that a listen. The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. Mad Magazine Advertising Mascots B-Movie Posters And Cartoons Think behind the music for the stuff we love.
1: Check out our website at two designerswalkintoabar.com.
0: And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.
1: All right, my next one. Um, this is not a new one. Uh, the song of The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Hopefully by now everyone has read this. This was also featured in a PBN um, Greeks retelling episode, too. I know at least um, one or two. So I'm not the only fan. In the Song of Achilles, Achilles and Patroclus broke my heart to pieces in this retelling of the Trojan War. The author writes the story of young Achilles destined to be a war hero in a very character-driven style, which is my favorite. Um, I don't. I'm not a big fan of historical fiction or mm-hmm. necessarily Greek mythology, um, but very, very um, well fleshed out characters in this one. And I, I never thought I'd want to revisit Homer after college. Um, but the focus in this novel is on the bond between Achilles and Patroclus as they come of age, um, learn to become warriors, learn other things that you do in ancient Greece. Um, There's a lot of familial drama. Um, Achilles parents are really something I think his mom is a like a sea witch. So (laughs) um, buckle up for that. Um, And of course, there's the impending war, which is um, just really the way it's written. um, It's it's a bit graphic at times, but I I'm not going to spoil anything for those who haven't read it but kind of like the most heart-wrenching scene. Oh boy, Madeline Miller knocked it out of the park. I I think I might have gotten emotional reading it. Um just maybe. Just maybe. I don't know. It's it's been a minute, but uh, it, it's a possibility. Um she also Madeline Miller also wrote Circe, which was a big award winner in 2018. Um another reimagination of Greek mythology. Um not super queer that I can remember, but um, she's wonderful. So just, you know, as an author, the research she has done, all the things she knows, oof, impressive. And for her to weave it into these like beautiful stories, highly recommend.
0: Yeah, the stories so real, which I, I'm with you. I don't tend to get too into historical fiction. It's not my favorite either. But this is one of those times where, the storytelling, the character building, like there's just so many pieces to it that you can't help but get invested. And you're almost entirely taken out of the fact that you're in the past or that this is based on anything other than just like great storytelling.
1: Right, right. And just like a queer romance.
0: I'm going to keep on my similar vein here and I'm gonna offer up a thriller. Uh, this is Bathhouse by P.J. Vernon. Uh, I I cannot recommend this audiobook highly enough. Uh, we've got two narrators for this one because each chapter flips between two partners in this relationship. Um, So narrated by Michael Crouch and Daniel Henning, they both do an amazing job. And of course, both of them, I I listen to so many audiobooks, and every once in a while I'll turn one on and I'll be like, that sounds familiar. Who is that? And then I'll go to my, you know, I'll finish that. I'll go to the next one. Oh, it's the same person. And I feel like lately I have been flipping through the same three, four narrators entirely unintentionally, but they both do an amazing job It's a really gripping thriller that follows Oliver Park, a recovering addict from Indiana, who finally has everything he ever wanted, sobriety and a loving, wealthy partner in Nathan, a prominent DC trauma surgeon. Despite their difference in age and disparate backgrounds, they've made a perfect life together. With everything to lose, Oliver shouldn't be visiting House, a gay bathhouse, but through the entrance he goes, and it's a line crossed. Inside, he follows a man into a private room And it's the final line. Whatever happens next, Nathan can never know. But then everything goes terribly, horribly wrong. And Oliver barely escapes with his life. He races home in a full-blown terror as the hand-shaped bruise grows dark on his neck. The truth will destroy Nathan and everything they have together. So Oliver does the thing he used to do so well. He lies. What follows is a classic runaway train narrative full of the exquisite escalations edge of your seat thrills and oh my god plot twists um just i enjoyed this one so 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 much it is truly just like a fantastic thriller uh so that is bath house h-a-u-s if you're not checking the episode description to see how it's spelled it's the the german way uh by pj vernon
1: Beth House. Beth <laughs> Ooh, I need to know what I need to know what happens.
0: Uh you you won't believe as a person who reads so many thrillers with so many twists, I don't think you'll believe it. So you should. This spring okay. month, I'm telling everyone to listen to Bathhouse.
1: <laughs> if I don't get to it, I'm just gonna text you and be like, Joe, tell me what happens.
0: That's fine. I can't I, can, I can't I can do that.
1: <laughs> oh boy. My next book, my, what we'll call honorable mention to Dr. Chuck Tingle, um, Tor publishing group scooped up his forthcoming novel. Um, you may know Chuck Tingle from his outlandish yet inclusive titled novellas. He's kind of an, if you know, you know, thing on the internet. So I can't say too much, but I'm so excited. He's about to release a new story to a larger audience. Um, I think he's self-published most of his novellas, um, so they're not and you can't find them in overdrive, but this one will be um, it's about Camp Damascus. That's what the book is called. Also, not sure if I mentioned that Camp Damascus is coming out July 18th. Um, so Camp Damascus is a self-proclaimed most effective gay conversion camp in the country nestled deep in the Montana mountains. A purported life free from sin awaits campers. But the secret behind that success is, quote, anything but holy. Uh, The tagline on the cover of this book is, they'll scare you straight to hell. (laughs) So just get ready for some satire, some tongue in cheek. Um, I'm really excited for this one. Full length novel from Dr. Chuck Tingle himself.
0: Yeah, the best way to put it. If you know, you know. You have very (laughs) likely seen what looks like the meme of a book jacket online. But no, they are indeed real self-pub titles. And I love the idea that Camp Damascus is coming our way. Mm-hmm. Well, since you just had like a little sneaky one there, when does that one release?
1: July 18th.
0: July 18th. Well, since you just had like a little sneaky peek for July, how about your next title too?
1: Oh, okay. This one's interesting. It's called, not not that any of the other ones weren't interesting. <laughs> Terrible Precursor, it's called Open, an Uncensored Memoir of Love, Liberation, and Non-Monogamy by Rachel Krantz. I picked this one because I was really interested to read a memoir, one of my favorite genres, um, and this, you know, about non-monogamy. It started out so strong. The author did a really good job of setting the stage uh, about herself and her values. I could tell she had a journalism background, and I appreciated that. And she was hella candid, so be prepared for some graphic scenes. Um, As the narrative moved on, I had a growing unease about her primary partner, uh, a man, which only got worse the more I read. I hate to say the two of them set out to form a partnership. They were even living together uh, while interacting with the poly community and allowing each other to explore connections with new people outside of their partnership. I remember the evening I picked this up again in Libby after being really compelled by it the night before. And this dread of the physical and emotional abuse becoming the primary plot line just washed over me. Uh, I was disappointed that the author's experience with her primary partner colored her, her ex- other experiences and exploration in such a toxic way. Um, of course, I'm sorry that she had to experience those real life things in her actually very real life. Um, And I mean, she wrote about them in a very compelling way, but I was really rooting for her to find relationships that fulfilled her, whatever form they may have taken in a safer and more supportive situation. I wanted to see a non-monogamy story be successful, I guess. Um, You know, I don't mean to like discredit her experience, but um, you know, it was It was enlightening, but it was also a little hard to read at times just because of the abuse.
0: Authentic, authentic, raw, real, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right, hard to read because no one wants to see anyone go through that. And Yeah. It may, you know, as much as we wanted, as much as you may have wanted to see it just, like, work out, it's good to know that you can take those bits and, like, people can take that and form their own path and be mindful of how their partner is treating them and, you know, how they can shape their own relationships.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her partner, her primary partner was not necessarily abusive because they were in a non-monogamous situation, right? Um, right. He was just a bad <laughs> he guy. He was just had a lot of issues um that unfortunately our author stumbled into. hmm
0: My next pick is My Government Means to Kill Me by Rashid Newsom. This is the debut novel. It came out in August of 22 from the television writer, producer of The Chai, Narcos, and Bel Air, uh, which tells a fierce and riveting queer coming of age story following the personal and political awakening of a young gay black man in 1980s New York City. Apparently, my pride reads all seem to take place in the past in New York. Uh, Not all of them, but you know. (laughs) Earl Trey Singleton III arrives in New York City with only a few dollars in his pocket. Born into a wealthy Black Indianapolis family, at 17 he is ready to leave his overbearing parents and their expectations behind. In the city, Trey meets up with a cast of characters that change his life forever. He volunteers at a renegade home hospice for AIDS patients, and after being put to the test by gay rights activists, becomes a member of the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, or ACT UP. Along the way, Trey attempts to navigate past traumas and searches for ways to maintain familial relationships, all while seeking the meaning of life amid so much death. With all of that, that feels so heavy. It's vibrant, humorous and it's fraught with those entanglements. Nuisance, My Government Means to Kill Me is exhilarating, fast-paced. Here's a coming-of-age story that lends itself to a larger discussion about what it means for a young gay Black man in the mid-1980s to come to terms with his role in the midst of a political and social reckoning. hmm Yes, so that is My Government Means to Kill Me by Rashid Newsen.
1: We we started out strong with some, some happy vibes, some rom-coms.
0: Right. But... You know, I think, jokes aside, I think it's very important in Pride Month to remember that it is not just parades and merchandise and rainbow capitalism. I think it's also a really important time to remember all of the people who came before us to get us to where we are today. Uh, I always think of Marsha P. Johnson. That photo will always... Bring a tear to my eye when i think of just her smiling with all of those flowers and anyway so it's it's you know it's important to recognize what happened before uh the past was uh not great for the queer community and uh i think it's important to remember that
1: yeah exactly a big sticking point in in pride is like that dichotomy between the parades and the celebration and also um, even the ongoing current active legislation all over the country that is making it difficult for kids to get books and resources that they need and for all of us to feel safe (laughs) in any given situation.
0: Right, at the end of the day, we are to be celebrating, but we also have to take moment for respect and pause and reflect. And uh, be a little reverent. I think at times. I think it's helpful to kind of like put the thank you out there into the world. That like, thank you for the people who have fought before, and um, I'm so happy that we get to excel get to celebrate today. Yes. Do you have one last title for me, Holly?
1: Um. Yeah. This will be a quick one. It's called "Girls Can Kiss Now." More essays, um, by Jill Gutowitz and, uh. Read this one after you read the 2000s made me gay. If you like that one, <laughs> it's another memoir-centric with loads of pop culture references. We love. Yeah, I mean, if you can't, if you can't tell, I just really like personal gay essays. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just a fun read. I think I read it very quickly. Um, but you know, the author talks about things like Orange is the New Black, kind of delves into like that whole moment and you know experience that I think a lot of us had. Um, so yeah, that's just a little follow-up to my first title, I suppose.
0: What a perfect bookend. The place to start, (laughs) the place to end.
1: (laughs) Oh, good. I didn't even do that on purpose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then the last title I want to throw out there, this is one that I'm sure many of you have heard of or seen uh, in the past year since it's been out. It came in April of 2022. This is Young Mungo by Douglas Stewart. Uh, It's a story of queer love and working class families. This is the second novel from Booker Prize winning author of Shuggie Bain. So just something to keep in mind if you haven't heard of it. It's a brilliantly constructed and deeply moving story of queer love and working class families. Growing up in a housing estate in Glasgow, Mungo and James are born under different stars. Mungo is a Protestant and James is a Catholic and they should be sworn enemies. Yet against all odds, they fall in love as they find sanctuary and dream of escape in the pigeon dovecote that James has built for his prize racing birds. But when Mungo's mother sends him off on a fishing trip to a remote lock with two strange men, he will need all his strength and courage to find his way back to a place where he and James might still have a future
1: prize racing birds.
0: You know, the Brits are doing all sorts of different things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Two strange men. I don't know. You dropped a lot of (laughs) things in there. I'm just trying to get everyone to pick (laughs) it
0: up. So if you are interested, that is young Mungo by Douglas Stewart. Well, Holly, thank you for joining me today and sharing some queer reads.
1: Thank you for having me. This is so fun. What a good way to kick off Pride by picking some of my favorite queer books.
0: I can think of no better way to kick off Pride than sharing all of the queer books I'm loving lately. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today and for hearing these book recs. Let us know on Instagram in our comments for this episode what you're most looking forward to to reading from this list. We hope to hear from you. Remember, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are at book nerds. But with all of that said, thank you all so much for joining us today. Happy Pride and happy reading.
1: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey.